We just recently finished up a short series on the mind of a disciple. If you weren't here for that, um, we talked about the mindset of a disciple, why the mind of a disciple is important, why we need to adopt the attitude or the mindset of Jesus uh, in wanting to become disciples. And what we're going to do today and next week, building up to our church picnic, is we're going to talk a little bit about disciple, the word disciple. We're going to talk about it a little bit as a noun, but we're going to talk about it as a verb too. Um, Now that we've talked about the mindset of a disciple, we're going to talk a little bit about how does this actually work? What are we talking about when we're talking about this idea of discipling? Because I think for a lot of people who come and sit in church and who are part of church or who hear church people talk and they hear this word disciple, um, they're not really clear on what it is that we're talking about. Maybe some of you who sit in here with us each week would not be clear on what it is that we're talking about. Or you hear something and you think, yeah, that's not really something that is for me, right? I mean, that might be for some of those people, but that is not, that is not for me. And so what I want us to do for a couple of weeks is just talk about this word, talk about this idea, talk about this concept, so that we can get a handle on what exactly is it that Jesus wants for us as his followers to do and to become. What, what does that look like? And, and I think one of the challenges is everybody has their own idea of what it means and what it looks like. And you can go to some churches or you can talk to some pastors. You can read lots of books that will be written about discipleship. There are all kinds of programs out there. There are lots of books and tools and resources and classes and all of these things. And I'm not up here to tell you that there's anything wrong with any of those things. I'm not up here to demonize any of those things. But what I want to do is simplify things a little bit. I want to cut through all of the confusion and just break this down in its very most basic terms. What are we talking about when we're talking about this idea of disciple? So first and foremost, let's talk about this. What is a disciple? Well, what is a disciple? And so... So that we're all on, on the same page and we're all talking about the same things. Uh, a disciple, if you're following along in you version, uh, is a follower or student of a teacher, a leader, or a philosopher. That, that's just a basic definition. So this is someone who's a follower of or a student of a teacher, a philosopher, or some type of leader. You are someone, a disciple would be someone who studies them, learns from them, and follows them. For our context in the next two weeks, what I want to make sure you understand is we're talking specifically about Jesus. Okay, We're not talking about some other leader or teacher or philosopher. We're talking specifically about Jesus. And so when we use the word disciple, we're referring to those of us who would say, yes, I am a follower of, and I want to be a student of the person of Jesus. That's what we're talking about when we talk about disciple. Now, there's this other word that's floating around out there that we hear all the time in churches, and it's not disciple, but it's discipleship, okay? Discipleship. Now, I have to tell you a funny story. This may not be funny to you, but it was funny to me as I look back on it. A couple of years ago, uh, I was riding in the car with my teenage daughter. Now, do any of you have teenagers in your life? Maybe they're not your children, but you, you have them in your life, and so you deal, you deal. okay. Um, and so we're, we're riding along in the car, and my daughter and I are having this conversation, and she's talking about a couple of kids in her class and the fact that they were shipped. Now, do any of you know what shipping is? I thought I knew what shipping was. 
when you put something in an envelope or a box, you take it down to a shipping place and they send it somewhere. That's what I thought shipping was, to be shipped. You ship something. I did not know at the time that to ship, you can ship people. Did you guys know that you can ship people and I'm not talking about through UPS? Do you guys know this? Now, here's how this works. I did not know this. Now, they probably don't use this terminology anymore because this has been a couple of years ago, right? So they may not even use this terminology because us old people started using it, so they have to come up with something else, right? Because you know how that is. That's what happened with Facebook, right? It's what happens with social media. When their parents start getting on it, they have to go find another one, right? We old people ruin everything for them, okay? So I discovered this word ship basically means this, that if there are two people that should be in a relationship, you just ship them. Right? You, you say, hey, I ship you and you because I want you guys to be in a relationship. Is this new to a lot of you? If this is not new to you, if you know about this, please let me see your hands. And I'm talking to you teenagers over here. Look at all this block over here. Look at this back here. We've got, you guys have teenagers, right? Yeah, that's why you know what shipping is. I had no idea. Now, I didn't realize that this actually, I think, happens more often with famous people. Right, guys? This is something that happens with famous people, celebrities and stuff like that. People ship them all the time. This happened in the Harry Potter books, right? This fan fiction where they ship particular characters in the book, right? So there's this idea of being shipped where you are wished into a relationship with another person. Now, how crazy is that? It's crazy. To, to me, this was like crazy. So you ship them. We've been shipped or they've been shipped or... Someone has been shipped. But there, guys, I'm not making this up. This is a real thing. Would any one of you guys like to come up and explain it better than I did? Any of you? Isaiah, you want to? You're not feeling it? Layla? No? Okay. So there's this new idea, this new concept out there about people being shipped, like brought into relationship. Now, some of you are wondering, what in the world does this have to do with anything? right? It really doesn't have a whole lot to do with anything other than this. Discipleship has a really interesting correlation to relationship, right? Discipleship and relationship are pretty closely related. And if you look at the definition that we've included in Simple Ch or in version, if you're not reading it, I'll share it with you. Discipleship is this. It is the process of becoming a disciple or disciples through close personal relationships with God and other followers of Christ. Discipleship is the process that we become disciples through close personal relationships with God and other followers of Christ. We believe, I believe very firmly that discipleship happens in the context of relationship because Jesus modeled it for us that way. Now, I don't have time to, to, to go, and that's not the point today. All of you are capable, okay, of opening up your Bibles and turning into the first four books of the New Testament. That's where we find what we call the Gospels, okay, the, the good news. That's where the focus of our year is this year is we have focused on living like Jesus. And what you can do is you look through or browse through or read through the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What you will find is an unlimited supply of data to support the idea that Jesus 
models this for us in the way he chose to live his life, his adult life, his ministry years here on this earth. He chose a number of people, 12, okay? He lived his life with them in relationship with them, and he modeled and mentored and taught and did the things that he did, knowing that he was going to leave them at some point to carry on this thing that he had begun. Discipleship is closely related to relationship because relationship is where discipleship happens. Jesus, as you read through the New Testament, didn't just meet once a week at 6 o'clock in the morning at Starbucks with one of the 12 of his disciples or all 12 of them, right? If you, those of you who've read the Gospels, if you've read through those, you'll agree with me, right? First of all, there was no Starbucks in Jesus' time. I know some of you are like, yeah, Brian, there was no Starbucks. But if there was, that's not how Jesus and the disciples would have done it. Now, I'm not telling you that it's wrong if you do it that way at all. But what I do want you to understand is that this relationship that Jesus had with the 12 was not just some passing thing that they did once a week when it worked in their busy schedule, right? Jesus' relationship with his Father God was not something that he worked into his busy schedule. Discipleship and relationship are closely related because discipleship happens in the context of relationship with God and with other believers. Jesus spent hours and hours and hours with his disciples, and they spent that time with him and with each other. Now, obviously, Jesus is not here with us anymore. So it would be hard for us to spend time with him in the flesh, yes? It would be hard for us to do that. But Jesus did this crazy thing when he was getting ready to leave this world. He said that God would send another in his place, right? That a comforter, an advocate would come in his place. The Holy Spirit would come in his place. And so that is how we spend time with Jesus, with God, personally. And then we need to be spending time with each other. Now here's something I need you to understand. Sometimes when we start talking about discipleship, we start thinking in terms of, okay, so I need to figure out how to include more time with this person, this person, this person, or this person, to put up the schedule together, and I have to find a book that we can go through and a study, and we can answer all these questions and all this stuff, right? Sometimes we start thinking of discipleship, and that's what we think of. But I need you to hear me when I say this. If you go back through and you watch how Jesus lived with his disciples, that's not how it worked. And again, I'm not saying that it's wrong to do that. If that is what helps and that is is how it works best for you. But that's not the prescribed way to do it. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. But discipleship, please hear me, is not something we just do. Okay? Discipleship is not something we just do as followers of Jesus. It is something that we experience. You experience it and I experience it. Now, sometimes we start thinking this way. Okay, so... Discipleship means I have to be discipling people. So you're saying, I need to be like Jesus and go disciple people? What are you telling me that I need to do? Well, here's what I'm saying. Discipleship is something that we experience more than something that we do. Okay? And what I mean by that is, if discipleship happens in the context of a group Bible study, great. What you did was you went to a group 
Bible study, and in the process, you experienced some discipleship. Does that make sense to everyone? You see, sometimes discipleship is spending time one-on-one with another person in conversation, and that can be discipleship. You see, what you did was you spent time with someone in conversation, but what you experienced in some degree was discipleship. You see, sometimes I think we get penned into thinking, well, I have to go and disciple, or I have to go and be discipled, and so I have to get my program together, and I have to go sign up for a class or whatever it is. And the reality is you're going to do all kinds of things as you have relationships with people. But as you're doing those things, you experience discipleship. You see, I guarantee you that the disciples, as they were walking and talking with Jesus, were not thinking, well, we're going to spend three years getting discipled by Jesus. They lived with Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They talked with Jesus. They learned from Jesus. And in the process, they were discipled. Jesus, as he lived and breathed and walked and talked and ate and did all the things he did with his disciples, taught them and mentored them and and discipled them. They were doing what they did. So discipleship is not something we just do. Discipleship is something that we experience. And here's another thing. Discipleship is a lifelong process. Okay, you hear that? Everybody hear me? It is a lifelong process. It is the process of becoming more like Jesus, and it happens as we begin to understand the word disciple more as a verb. Now, here's what that means. Discipling is something that is experienced by us as we do other things. And one thing that is super important here is, and I don't believe this happens enough in the context of the church, there aren't enough of us who are willing to put ourselves in positions and places where we can be discipled in order to ever possibly hope to help disciple someone else. Y'all follow me there? Now, I want this to be encouraging to you today. I do not want you to walk away through feeling like, man, that pastor is so hard on us all the time. I want this to be uplifting to you and encouraging to you. I want you to understand that Jesus, God, through his son Jesus, right, wants us to have a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit, through Christ, but also relationships with each other so that this happens naturally as a byproduct of our relationships with each other. Do you all follow me? You see, sometimes I think we, we don't realize the importance of relationship and how it relates to discipleship. As a people, we are so isolated. As a people, we are so disconnected. We feel connected, but we're so incredibly disconnected from one another. And I think sometimes we, we wonder, what, why aren't we building and creating and shaping and helping to develop more disciples of Christ? Sometimes I think it's because we're just not investing what we need to invest. We'll talk about that in a few minutes as well. But discipleship, church, listen to me, is a lifelong process. What I don't want any of you to think is that you go take a discipleship class and you get a certificate when you come out of it, and now you're ready to go and make disciples. Like, oh, now I'm a discipler. And then you don't ever have to be discipled again. Discipleship is... Happens your entire life. The entire time you have life on this earth, breath within you. You need to be discipled. You need to be in relationship with people who challenge you, who encourage you, who lift you up, right? People who will say to you sometimes, 
Are you sure that's the right thing? Are you sure that's what God is telling you to do? Are you sure that's the Holy Spirit? Not, you're such a loser, you're going to blah, blah. Not those types of things. But what is God speaking into your life? Talking to you about the things that are going on in your life. Shaping, molding, challenging, encouraging. See, church, that, that is discipleship. It is a lifelong process. God does not want us to spend our whole entire lives commiserating with all the people who just think the same way we do and don't really seek out God in our lives. Y'all follow that? That's not to say that you shouldn't have relationships with people who are not followers of Christ. Not at all. I'm not saying that at all. But if you don't have a person or some people who are in your life who you would look at and say, that's a person who models Jesus as much as they possibly can. And I want them to speak into my life. See, that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And I think that there aren't Enough of us who are intentionally doing that. Discipleship is a lifelong process. And it is not merely you going and spending time with people, making them a more of a disciple. You must be having someone feed into you so that you have something also to pass on to someone else. Discipleship is indeed a process right? A lifelong process. But please hear me when I say this. It should not be defined by a process. You see, there are some people who would tell you that if you're not doing discipleship in these steps X, Y, and Z, that you're not doing it right. There are people who would say to you, well, if you're not following this pattern as I understand it from Scripture, well, it's not really discipleship. There is no biblical prescription for how discipleship should be done. There's no biblical prescription that says follow these steps and disciples will just be churned out automatically. The process of discipleship, church, hear me, is very simple. It is not complicated. It is extremely simple. It is as simple as followers of Jesus learning what it means to become more like Jesus through close personal relationships grounded in Jesus Christ. That's discipleship. Discipleship is simple. It's when you, if you're a follower of Christ, growing to become more like Christ as you live out close personal relationships with other people that are grounded in Christ. I want to tell you shortly here, I for for a long time in my early years of ministry did not understand this idea. I had never been taught this or, or modeled this or, or understood this, or I just wasn't paying any attention. But I can remember when things started happening at this church. It's been years ago now. Dawn and I were just talking the other day about this. Um, the pastor who had been here for many years retired in 2000 and, well, the end of 2004. So we're talking a long time ago. And a few years before that happened, there were rumblings in the church. There were a lot of of things being talked about, and um, there were some people who were like, Brian, I think you should become the pastor of the church, and um, there was a part of me that was really afraid of that and really scared of that, but there was another part of me who was like, you know, I think you're right, right? I think you're kind of right. I mean, how hard can it be, really? Yeah, right? I mean, how hard can it be? But 
fortunately, God spared me from that, right? And he used some time in my life to teach me some things that I needed to know. I needed to learn a lot more than I learned, okay? But at least I learned some things uh, during the little window of time before I actually became the pastor here. But before I ever became a real lead pastor, and I, I don't, I'm not saying that to be, to be negative. I, I just, when I was a youth pastor, I didn't think of myself as a real pastor. Um, when I became a senior pastor, I was like, now nah, I'm a real pastor, right? Before that ever happened, I served under Tom Pelt, who was the pastor here for 27 years before he retired. Now, during that time that I spent here, um, Dawn and I spent a lot of time with Tom and his wife, Carolyn. Um, they kind of adopted our children um, when they were little, and they kind of took us in under their wing and mentored us along a little bit. Now, I want you to understand that never once, never one time did Tom sit me down and say, Brian, I need to disciple you. Okay? He never said to me, Brian, I need to mentor you. He never said to me, Brian, I need you to understand that I'm up here and you're down here and I need to bring you up to where I am. Right? Never did that conversation ever take place. But throughout the years that I spent with Tom, as much as he and I disagreed on a number of things, okay, I, I mean, there were times when those disagreements were like, like we weren't allowed to have drums in here, like no drums. And I was like, dude, you're killing me, right? You are killing me here. And uh, it was just a point of disagreement between us. Now, guess who won? No, don't think I did. When he left, maybe, but when he was still here, there were no drums up in here, right? Because he was the pastor and I was not, right? And so something happened during those years of mentoring, during those years of relationship that I had with Tom and Carolyn. And what we didn't know was happening is that we were being discipled, right? We had no idea the things that we were learning in our time with Tom and Carolyn. That even though we disagreed on some issues, even though there were times when we would have meetings, and Tom, <laughs> I never will forget it. I got to tell you this story. It's kind of funny. We were having a meeting about youth ministry because we were uh, the youth leaders at the time. And I can't remember if we were pastors or not. I don't think we were actual pastors yet. But we were having a conversation, and Dawn was really not happy with how the conversation was going. You remember this, babe? It was not a, it was not a pretty conversation, right? And much like me, um, you know, when Dawn reaches a limit, she, you know, she can be not as kind as she is at other times and be very firm, and, you know, we all have that. And Dawn had this moment where she just was pretty much like, listen, you're wrong, and this isn't how she said it, but she was kind of like, you're wrong, and this is stupid, right? Those aren't the words that she used, but it was almost like this, well, if that's how it's going to be, then I quit. I'm not, I'm not doing this if this is how it's going to be. We were very young, and we were very inexperienced, and I can remember Tom looking at me and saying, um, you're going to have to do something about that, right? It's not a joke. He didn't say it in those words. Exactly, right? It was close. You're going to have to do something about that. And I was like, Psh, 
dude, I have to live with her. What are you talking about? You don't, what do you mean I have to do something with that? Now, I'll be honest with you. Both of us, at the time, were like, that was rude. That was insensitive. Who says something like that, right? Now, I need you to understand, down through the years, Dawn and I have learned an awful lot, and we have reflected back on a number of the conversations that we had with Tom and Carolyn. And Dawn, as a pastor's wife today, she, I don't know if she would acknowledge this, but I mean, is a little bit like Carolyn was all those years ago. Now, at the time, she'd have been like, that ain't never happening. You know, don't even think about it. Don't even, that, that is not. And I don't believe it's because of Carolyn or because of Tom. But here's what I think happened. Unbeknownst to us at the time, right, we were learning through modeling. We were learning through relationship, right? But just because we didn't agree at the time didn't mean that life experience and wisdom that we had gained along the way wouldn't come together. And God would use those things to help shape and mold and form us, even though at the time we had no idea what was happening. Tom taught me something very important. It has helped me dramatically. I I can't imagine doing ministry without it. But many, many times when I would have conversations with Tom, he would tell me to eat the fish and spit out the bones. Right? I never, never as long as I live will I ever forget that. Because there would be times I would be talking to him and I would say, I just don't understand why this person would say this thing to me or why this parent or this person in the church feels this way or whatever. And he would say to me, Brian, eat the fish and spit out the bones. In other words, you can take in everything people say to you, right? Take it all in. Chew it up, right? When you find some meat, eat it. Swallow it. Allow it to change you. But when you find a bone, spit it out, right? In other words, evaluate what people are saying. And if there's truth in it, digest it and be changed by it. If there's not, spit it out. Be done with it. I had no idea how valuable that would be to me later on when I became a lead pastor. I had no idea. But you see, here's what happened. My relationship with Tom discipled me. Even though I didn't know at the time. That's what was happening. Now, Tom was a a superior to me, or I was a subordinate to him. But there were a couple of other people down through the years of my ministry who have discipled me, and I had no idea. And until you stop and think about it and reflect on it, you don't always appreciate these things. My friend Brad Lewis was a pastor here at this church a number of years ago. And we hired Brad right after... Uh, I had become pastor six or eight months after I had become the pastor here. And Brad and I had talked for years about the opportunity to work together. And I cannot tell you how excited we were when that opportunity came knocking. Those of you who remember Brad, um, man, we were so excited. And it didn't take very long for us to realize how immature both of us were and how unprepared we were to work together. Right? It did not take us long to find that out. Um... Brad's personality is pretty much 180 degrees different from mine. He, we, are, we are polar opposites in terms of uh, how we operate and do things. I'm a planner. I like things to be laid out and planned out. And Brad is a fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants kind of guy who's like, it's good enough. I'm not, you know. And he and I, man, boy, that was hard. And unfortunately for me, I was the boss. And I didn't know how to talk to my friend about some of these things. And um, Brad would come in at like 
I don't know, 10 o'clock, 10.30 in the morning, and he'd leave at like 2.30, and I'd be like, dude, I don't know what, I don't, like that is not how this works. I've been working in this church office for like a lot of years, and it is 9 o'clock, and you leave at 4.30, maybe. But if it's, this, this is not pastor's hours here, okay? We're in the office. And we would butt heads about that all the time. And I just did not understand why Brad viewed it that way. Why anytime Sarah would call, Brad would take off. Like, dude, you have a job to do here. Right? Anytime something happened with one of his kids, he was gone. I'm like, dude. Now here's some of you, listen, stay with me. Eventually, sadly, we forced Brad out of our church because he didn't fit here, right? And Brad and I couldn't work together. The leaders in our church didn't work very well with Brad, and it just was an ugly, ugly situation. It was ugly. Now, Brad and I have become friends again. We have restored and repaired our relationship, and we are really good friends now. But I didn't know. Here, let me tell you, church, listen. While Brad and I were not necessarily in agreement for, for the year and a half that he was here, God used my relationship with Brad to disciple me and teach me things that I needed to know. Now, that sounds crazy, perhaps, to some of you. But you see, here's something I learned from Brad. I learned from Brad that my family will always be my family. Right? And that I may not always be the pastor of this church. Okay, I learned from Brad that my wife and my children should come first sometimes. I learned that my ministry success is not determined or defined by how many hours I spend in the office. See, those are things that I had to learn. And the way I learned some of that was by watching someone who I didn't believe was doing it right, but God used that time I spent with Brad and my sabbatical a number of years later to help me understand that I wasn't doing it right, that I had misplaced priorities in my life. And my relationship with Brad helped me to see some of that. Now, did I know it at the time? Would I have said to you at the time, yes, God is using Brad in my life to help disciple me? I'd have been like, no. Right? Because Brad and I are on totally different pages. Now, that's not to say that everything that Brad thinks and does is right or good or that I've, you know. But God did use that relationship that I have with him. And God uses my relationship with Brad in that same way. Not because Brad and I meet all the time and think, hey, dude, let's disciple each other. That's, that's not, we don't call each other and say, hey, you want to go disciple today? You want to go get discipled? Who who does that? Here's what we do. We spend time together. We talk about real life. We talk about how God and how Christ and how his word is meant to impact and change our lives. You see, we talk about those things. And as we do, God uses that relationship to disciple us. There's one more person I want to tell you about. Okay? And unfortunately, he's not here today, but my father-in-law came on staff here a number of years ago. And I cannot tell you how many arguments Mike and I have had about church, right? Mike's a little bit older than I am, 
okay? He may be a little bit more set in his ways than I am, and he may be wrong about a lot of things, but no, I'm just kidding. That, was a, that part was a joke. Mike and I don't always, in fact, don't often agree on how we should do things, right? And first, when we were newly um, put together in this, like, pastoring role together, it was very challenging because not only is this guy my father-in-law, but he's the guy that I'm supposed to, like, work with. Now, when I first brought him in, it was because I thought this guy has got some experience that I don't have, right? He's good with people. He's way better with people than I am. And I need that in, in my life. And so those are the reasons that I brought Mike on. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I'll be very transparent with you. There were times when I would listen to Mike when I felt like, okay, this is a people issue, so I'm going to take, I'm going to listen to you. But when it wasn't a people issue, I'm like, dude, you just, you know, I'm not, I didn't bring you in to tell me that, right? You are not here to help with that part of it because, quite frankly, that's not your skill set, right? Now, I've never said that to him. If you were sitting here, he would have heard it, right? I'm just being real with you about how I thought. Now, down through the years, here's what has happened. In my relationship with Mike, Mike and I have had numerous conversations about life, about the Bible, about God and Christ, and what is it that God wants to do in my life? What does God want to use me and him to do in the, in the scope of the church and the community and, and all these different things, right? As we have those conversations, God uses it to disciple us. Right? God uses it. He uses those times to help us see things that we might not see otherwise. How many of you have ever discovered something about yourself because someone else pointed it out to you? Wow, none of you have had that happen. You guys are awesome. Either you're living in denial. Or, no, I'm just kidding. I have learned so many things about myself because someone else pointed it out to me. God uses it somebody else to be a mirror that I look into and think, oh, my goodness, I had no idea. Now, would God be capable of doing that himself? Well, of course. How many of you believe God can do anything? Yeah. How many of you believe there have been times in your life where God was trying to tell you something and you weren't listening? Yeah. And you finally listened when some other person put something in front of you, and you were like, wow. See, I believe that God has tried many times in my life to show me something, and there are other people who he brings into my life who end up helping me to see something I was not seeing before. Church, I need you to hear this. Relationships are incredibly important. That is something that I learned from Mike, Right? You see, to me, if I'm just left to my own devices, ministry is about tasks. It's about things that you do for people. To Mike, ministry is the people. See, there's a difference there. Now, you, you guys may not pick up on that difference. It may seem subtle to you. But to Mike, people are the ministry. And to me, the ministry is the things that you do for people. I still, I still to this day, all these years into ministry and fighting to try and figure out how that actually plays itself out. Because I cannot escape the way God created me 
to see past. And so while I'm better about understanding that all the tasks I do are for the benefit of people, right? I still am not Mike. I'm still not that guy who sees the people first. Now, I don't know that God will ever expect me to be that, but here's what I do know. That had God not put Mike in my life and had I not intentionally spent time with Mike in relationship, I probably would not have realized that. I probably would not have allowed that to penetrate my soul and my spirit. Church, hear me when I say this. Relationships are the backbone of discipleship. And the reason too many of us are not being discipled and discipling is because we're just too busy. We're just too busy. We do not allow ourselves to engage in close, intimate, personal relationships with people because we just won't make the time to do it. Now, I want you to be encouraged. I know that doesn't sound encouraging. You're like, oh, that sounds like you're beating me up about it. I'm not trying to beat you up about it. What I'm trying to do is help you see this, that if you allow yourself to engage in relationships with other followers of Christ, people in your relationships are grounded in Christ, as you spend that time together, God uses those relationships to mold and shape you to become the person that he has intended you to be now. Are those relationships going to be effective outside of your relationship with Christ? No. You obviously cannot exclude your relationship with Christ. You obviously cannot exclude prayer and study and reading. and all. You cannot exclude that from this process. But too many of us are doing that, and we're not engaging with people. We're not putting ourselves in places where God can use people to help shape and change us. Now, I've already told you that I'm closing. I promise I'm closing now. I've mentioned this before, that I'm part of a small group, right? Dawn and I are part of a small group. Now, I want you to know something. We drive a half an hour one way to our small group, right? I didn't make it to small group last week because I got sick, right? We moved it to Thursday so Dawn and I could be there, and then I got sick and couldn't come. And I actually missed it actually missed being there that small group we drive a half an hour to get there it's on a weeknight it's not convenient there are times when I'm driving home and I'm thinking so tired why do I do this to myself why do we and then it's like God smacks me upside the head and says why do you do it why do you do it and it's like he reminds me of all the reasons why I do it y'all follow me the reason I do it is because it impacts me. It shapes me and molds me and disciples me to become more like Jesus, who's the Son of God whom I serve. But church, there has to come a point in time in your life where you recognize, if I really want to be what God wants me to be, and look at yourself and just ask yourself, just say, do I feel like I'm growing the way God wants me to grow? Do I feel like I'm moving and progressing in the way God would want me to? Am I more like Jesus today than I was a month ago or a year ago? Am I or not? And if you're not, ask yourself, how much time am I intentionally spending with people who God can use to disciple me? And that church, 
the last two, two names I gave you, Mike and Brad, discipled me even though it should have gone the other way around. Right? It should have gone the other way around. I should be discipling them. If we think about it purely in our human terms, I'm the pastor, they're the associate, I disciple them, they don't disciple me. We disciple each other. Church is a process, a lifelong process, where you become more like Jesus because you're in relationships that are grounded in the person of Christ. So I want to ask you as we close, I want you to look at your life. I want you to look at the relationships you have in your life, and I want you to ask yourself, how much time in your life are you intentionally spending with people who, are, who God is using to shape and mold and disciple you? How much time are you really spending intentionally, not on accident, but intentionally? Your most valuable resource is your time for all of you. The most valuable resource you have is your time. Are you willing to spend time relationships with people so that you can disciple and be discipled. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray today that all the people seated here today, God, that, that we would see the value in relationships, to understand that discipleship doesn't happen on accident, but that it happens as we spend time in relationship with people, just as you spent time with those whom you were closest to today. Lord, I pray that you would open each of our eyes. Lord, this wouldn't be about me and my encouragement, Lord, but this would be about you and your spirit speaking to us and saying, it's time, it's time to engage in relationships that help shape and mold, change us, become more like 